0: Alex Navarro, I had a strong itch to listen to Nirvana for like three hours after last night.
1: Yeah. Okay. What 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 inspired that exactly? In the pines. Oh yeah. Okay. So you're you. See, I didn't actually know what that song. I don't remember what that song was. Um. I just thought, oh, that's a nice sounding song, and I never actually sat there and thought about like what that might have been. But now, okay, now that you mention it, yes. Okay, all right, yeah. that makes sense now. Well, it's a folk song. I mean, it's I not. know it's a folk song, but I remember the version you're talking about now all of a sudden.
0: I like that that's how it's credited. I mean, it yeah. makes sense, but the... Oh, I lost my pop filter.
1: Uh, t- just traditional folk song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's how they. That's how they get around those, you know, those those little cop things called copyrights. You know, it's it's probably a lot easier to just, you know, go back to the original, like probably royalty free thing at this point, and 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 go from there.
0: Yeah, I wonder. I wonder what how far you'd have to tread for it actually to go into. Cause I imagine for a lot of people, the popular consciousness is the Kurt Cobain version of that song, yeah. even though it's you know. I bet it's I bet it's like uh, what happens with Disney stuff, right? Where like they hold certain, like, copyright over that version, then it's yeah. just like a weird way of how they define that. Like you can infringe upon Cinderella and uh, things like that that are you know public fables, but if you if you do certain things that uh, infringe upon the Disney version, then they can come after you. I wonder like you have to like scream just loud enough in order to infringe upon Kurt Cobain.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, it just depends on the arrangement and the original... Yeah, yeah, it's... it's, The nuance of that stuff is totally lost on me, unfortunately. I have no idea how any of it works, and it has always confused the hell out of me. I just sort of, you know, whenever that happens, I always just look like, okay, is there an old-ass version that you can get of this that is not, you know, that that is basically public domain, and then that's usually what it ends up being, so...
0: Um, For people who don't know (laughs) what the hell we're talking about, it is not a spoiler to say at the end of... The uh, latest Walking Dead episode, there is a uh, a cover of uh, the traditional folk song slash Kurt Cobain uh, in the Pines. Uh, yeah. It's very well done. It's done. It's a, it's a, it's a female vocalist. It's. A, I listened to the whole thing instead of skipping the
1: credits. Yeah, it's a very pretty song, and you know, I after hearing that and just I don't know that the whole series of the Walking Dead and for that matter, uh, the Wolf Among Us has had some really great music in it, and that is. <laughs> courtesy of jared emerson johnson who i think is one of those composers that does not get nearly enough credit for the work that he actually does
0: i think sort of like the main theme of the walking dead which they haven't used so, too much in season two yeah uh that has like the big violins it's kind of slow i don't know i wouldn't be able to reproduce it but i don't know i, I like the music in the walking dead quite a bit yeah uh, it's 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 one of those things that i don't think about too often but the few times that it does stand out yeah like you realize like oh man this is this is really tremendous uh yeah I it, there, there was a the main track that i'm thinking of from walking dead and if google hangouts had more multimedia tools i would just pull it in uh but uh, i remember there's a room there was a room early in walking dead season one it was uh, either episode one or two it's when you're in the pharmacy mm-hmm. you have like there's like a blood-soaked cot or a mattress and the music in that room i just sat in that room because i just really liked the music yeah
1: I mean, that's the thing, none of it's very showy or flashy, none of it, like, kind of screams, listen to this music, it's all just, you know, undercurrents of sort of dread and sadness that that, that kind of permeate every little scene, and that's, that's, it's perfect for that game, because it's just enough to no, for you to notice it's there, but not distract you from, you know, the, the horrible, horrible, fucked up things that are happening around you.
0: Yeah, so I might as well just jump right into it, because I, uh, there's a lot of news, we'll get there. There's yeah. a lot that went on this week, but uh, I did finish uh, the Walking Dead episode two last night, which uh, you finished earlier in the week, and you have uh, as soon as I'm as soon as I edit it after this uh, conversation, you have uh, sort of a wrap-up review sort of thing that we can talk about. Um, Let's call it a recap. Yeah, a recap. Sure. Uh, that's going up uh, this morning, but uh, so what did you what did you
1: think of episode two? Uh, just before I get into that, if you hear any banging sounds or anything, uh, in my feed, uh, (laughs) they are literally, like, literally yesterday, they started building a new building directly next to mine. Uh, there is not much I can do about that to avoid the noise, so I'm doing everything I can, so I'm sorry if that gets noisy. Uh, as far as the episode goes, and this will be a spoiler-free discussion, where the recap will not, so, uh... Yeah, we
0: are not going to talk about story specifics, we will talk in, uh, really, really vague terms, and we will not pull a Brad... Uh, don't worry. Uh, yeah. we, we we will be very careful. I know it's the first week it's been out.
1: Yeah. Uh, but what I will say is that I liked it uh, quite a bit. Uh, I think it is a considerably better written and better paced episode than the first one was. Uh, the first episode, which I, I liked in general, but it had it had this issue for me where it felt like they were going a little too far out of their way to try and hammer home the notion that everything horrible that could have happened to Lee in the first game could very well happen to Clem. Like, they are trying to get that point across between, like, the gaping arm wound and the survivors being, like, total dicks to her and just the variety of terrible things that happened in that episode felt just overbearing. Yeah. Uh, in, Yeah. In this case they spend more time with the characters. They spend more time developing the survivors that that Clem has has taken up with and they do a good job of establishing some of those relationships. Some not so much, but others much much better. And they they balance the the moments of action considerably better with the moments of character development. Like the story actually goes somewhere. It feels like the the plot is headed in a real direction now. Uh I think that you know, the few zombie encounters there are are a lot more meaningful and a lot more harrowing than the stuff in the first episode. Because the first episode felt like there was never really much pause for you to, like, catch your breath and actually see what the hell is going on. So I, I'm a much bigger fan of this, this second entry than I was with the first.
0: Yeah, I... I there were uh, more than a couple uh, spots in the episode where you just get to walk around. You just get to talk to characters. You get to have... A lot of uh, mundane but meaningful interactions with uh, the new people you come across, and the and uh, to be honest, the even though you you come across new folks in episode two, it's everyone still feels extremely fresh. Uh, yeah, that that is part of your your new crew, uh, part of the a house you come across in, in episode one uh, when Clementine uh, is on her own adventure, and you know it. I like those moments because you just kind of get to soak everything in in a way that you don't in, you know, the action moments or when you're doing really quick dialogue sequences. And, you know, I imagine, like, those are some of the most production-heavy just because they involve so much dialogue and, like, so many environments for players to walk around in. But they are absolutely some of my favorite moments because just especially the way it's contextualized in in Episode 2, and again, not getting into why, but... There, there's something hanging over everything in episode two that makes yeah. when you're doing the mundane actions, when you're having conversations that you feel like should be the moments where you get to rest, where you get to just kind of get to know who's, who's around you. Yeah. Uh, you know bad things are on the horizon, and it just twists a knot in your gut the mm-hmm. entire time. Even though the game does nothing to acknowledge it, you just know... That stuff's going to happen and the game doesn't even have to sort of go wink wink uh, mm-hmm. for it to set just this ominous feeling over everything that happens until yeah. you
1: sort of get to the climax of the episode and the other thing for me was that the first episode you know you like every episode has its big five choices or whatever um the first one really didn't feel like it had that many choices that mattered Uh, you know, there were choices that you could make, but they didn't necessarily result in really significant things to like, as far as like how the story branches. Um, two has much more of that. Uh, there are, you know, without, without saying who or why, but, uh, there are at least two characters in that episode whose lives basically hinge upon decisions that you make in that game. Because if you, if you get through the end of the episode and you make the wrong decisions, they will die. So that is something that I think, you know, it, it, whether those characters end up being meaningful in the grand scheme of the story down the road, I don't know, but it felt, you know, good to know that the things or the choices I was making, the things that I was doing actually had some impact on what was happening in the story versus just sort of like being different versions of the same outcome.
0: Yeah. And and I think that the, the choices that I always find uh, to be more interesting in The Walking Dead are not necessarily when you're set up with a sequence. that's like, this guy on the left is gonna die, or this yeah. guy on the right is gonna die. It's I, not that binary, yeah. You, well, well, it's just you can only do that so many times, and especially you know depending on you know how early it's happening in a season, uh, you know maybe you don't have a connection with those characters. Like it's just, and plus it just you know it gets sort of rote in terms of like that being the the choice presented. And so they do an episode two, uh, you know, not that death isn't always hanging over everything that happens because it's sort of a right. defining like aspect. Uh, of uh, <laughs> The Walking Dead. But there's some of the choices are a little more twisted and character-driven in, in mm-hmm. ways that are not so black and white and actually had, uh, you know, I think I've mentioned in the past that I played the, the episodes, mostly just Telltale games, uh, uh, with my wife, and she drives the decisions. But we didn't have enough time for her to make some of these choices where we had to pause the game and then sort of like talk it out. like what How do we feel about this? Which yeah. direction do we want to go? Uh, which I think shows a real nuance to uh, some of the choices that I, I really appreciated. I think they, they pay off uh, in terms of making you feel deeply uncomfortable sometimes in a way that I, I really enjoyed.
1: Yeah. So now that we're two episodes in on both The Wolf Among Us and Walking Dead Season 2, what are you feeling a little bit more strongly about now? I, well, I mean, The Wolf Among Us
0: has novelty factor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it has the fact that it's a new world. I'm not, I'm never quite sure what's around the corner. Um, Whereas The Walking Dead, while surprising, um, you know, is working within a framework that, especially as a horror fan, like super familiar with. So Mm -hmm. I know a lot of the tropes. I know a lot of the ways this can go. um, So they have to try a little harder. Uh, Plus it's the second season and it's just, you know, it's sort of established. Whereas The Wolf Among Us has a bit of the uh, sort of excitement of being new. But whereas I think The Wolf Among Us kind of, kicked off a little bit faster uh and i don't have a good sense of what even though i don't have a good sense of actually what like what the i think there's still a big reveal of the wolf among us to happen um i think we talked about that when we discussed episode two uh i just have a better sense of where that's going and that wasn't the case in walking dead's episode one that felt so much like oh god like we need to establish clementine and make sure people are okay with this and and, and like you said, the table setting was a little much and at least by the end of episode two, it's like, OK, I now know what the arc of season two is in The Walking Dead. I like where this is going. I think this is going to be interesting. Uh, the previews they have for episode three sets up, you know, you can kind of see where we're going for the next couple episodes, at least in terms of general premise. And I think they've set themselves up for some really, really good situations uh, that I'm looking forward to seeing play out.
1: Yeah, I think for I, I'm kind of split right now because it, it it is kind of opposites for me. Like the first episode of Wolf Among Us was really strong for me. The second one was a little bit more meh. And then, you know, the reverse as far as Walking Dead goes. Uh-huh. I think seeing what the way they develop Clem in the second episode, I'm maybe a little bit more intrigued by where things are headed with the Walking Dead. Um but you know, knowing that there are three episodes and left in in both series, and knowing kind of where things are at with the, the Wolf Among Us, I'm still super curious about that story. I'm still invested in it for sure. But I think I, 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 where I was very much unconvinced of where the Clem story was going to go in the first episode, I am now far more convinced in the second. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. Well, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to uh, to playing more of of both of them. I. I Indications from Telltale have been that the episode should come out a little bit faster uh, for both. Good. I hope that's uh, I hope that's true, like because at the current pace, Walking Dead or Wolf Among Us wouldn't finish till well into the fall, and that seems a little crazy, given that sometime I mean Game of Thrones is supposed to be this year, yeah, twenty fourteen. I'm still not. Maybe I guess that could happen. Uh yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if suddenly we heard, "Hey, it's coming out in spring of twenty fifteen to coincide with the fifth season
1: of Game of Thrones. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that feels like one of those things they could totally do is like, uh, okay, here's the season finale of Game of Thrones. now we're just gonna start this up, but that's soon that's like June. Do we know how long they've been walking or been ah, walking working <laughs> on it? uh
0: no, no, we don't. Okay. I guess it's possible, but uh i I just i maybe that's
1: just my reflexive attitude to telltale release dates in general. Um, well, just wait until they throw a true detective game on top of all of that as well, uh, you know. Because I don't know. Yeah. If I, can, I don't know if I can handle their art style in. <laughs> That's, That's nice. never gonna happen. They're never gonna get Nick Pizzolato to write or sign off on anything for the like, stuff like that. Probably not. But that, I, that yeah, would I wonder, be a dream
0: You know, I, I've played each of these games with my wife. I've found the worlds to be interesting. I don't know. I don't know about about this Borderlands one. I don't know. You know, I guess that's so heavily dependent on the writing and the characters. Given that, yeah, I don't, I just don't care for Borderlands. Like, it's just not a series I've gotten into. Seems well liked, seems well made, but just not, not sort of my thing. And, but I've played all the other Telltale ones, and I like the arc that they're on right now, design wise and narratively. So, you know, I'll certainly give the first episode a shot, and I guess we'll kind of go from there.
1: Yeah, I, I, for me, that is a series that when I enjoy it, it's more because of the gameplay than it is because of the world or the characters or the writing or any of that stuff. Like, I, I think some of it's very funny. I think it's extremely sporadic, and I've never really cared about what was happening so much as I've just been willing to kind of chuckle at it when it's funny. Yeah. So... That it I I guess there are people out there who are super invested in that world or, or otherwise they wouldn't be making this game, right? Like there has to be that audience. I mean those games sell, so I have to imagine there are people who care about that stuff. I just I don't know any of them, so I, I, I'm still sort of at a loss as to where where the appeal for that game really lies.
0: Well, you've got you know, Jeff hugely into Borderlands, loves that series. You know, but he I mean? doesn't well, even I've- think it's that funny. No, I know, but that's that's sort of what I'm getting at is yeah. that He's someone who spent hundreds of hours playing the Borderlands games. And, you know, it. <laughs> I remember asking him about the Telltale game and it was just like, I don't, you know, I don't give a shit. Like, you know, I, just the audience mixture, I think, uh, maybe not a misfire, but I think it's it's certainly the most experimental uh, yeah. of, of the ones they're doing. As much as, like, Game of Thrones is, like, kind of, whoa, because of the license, I think, you know, this one is the one I don't know what to make of quite yet.
1: Well, Game of Thrones also works because it's a it's a series that's very much invested in characters and narrative twists and just, you know, a lot of like really devious fucked up shit being done between yeah. people versus like action. Whereas Borderlands is kind of an action game and that's really the reason you play it. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think Game of Thrones is, is sounds like a good, unique fit for Telltale, whereas this Borderlands thing just seems like a weird decision. But yeah. Hey, I could be totally wrong. I have no idea.
0: Sure. Sure. So uh played that. So yeah. looking forward to episode three. Hopefully we'll hear about when that's coming out uh real soon. Uh did you play anything else this week?
1: Uh no, not really. Uh I, I've mostly been writing and just kinda trying to get uh various other, you know, things for the site done. So I've not really had mm-hmm. much time to play any other games. I started it on South Park again with my girlfriend last night. Uh I got her the three sixty version and she started playing it, uh and she is Enjoying the hell out of that. Have you had a chance to play any of that yet?
0: Uh, I played about 45 minutes, uh, which okay. uh, promptly sent my wife storming out of the room. She cannot stand South Park. Like, oh wow! Okay. Like, like the the thought of watching an episode of South Park, she's nothing. It's not like a moral thing. She just uh-huh. cannot stand anything about it. Wow. Anything. Okay. Like I flipped it on, and she was like, "Oh wow, you really want me to go to bed, don't you?" And I was like, "Oh okay. damn." I am. Wow. I, I, she's had a, uh, you know, a, I'm going to read my, my Kindle when I've turned on an episode before, but I turned on the game. And then of course, you know, in the first couple minutes you encounter a button mashing sequence where you are trying to poop properly. And it was right. just,
1: <laughs> I'm out. Uh, See, that was, that was the moment that sold my girlfriend like, okay, this is something I'm definitely going to want to play for the next 13 hours. Like that uh, was the moment she was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I'm sold. Uh, yeah. I played,
0: you know, up through. You know basically like the the 13 minute video they put out like which is you know right. like the intro to the game uh so i played like the first 30 minutes uh or so and uh it's so goddamn funny like yeah. i really really enjoy it, it so far it, like you know even though i haven't watched the show in a long long time I, apparently i have seen enough of it to hit like most of the notes that they're going for um and uh yeah, I like the combat. Like I've only done like the tutorial, uh, in the beginning, but I like the I've always liked combat that in, in, in RPGs that has sort of that interactive nature and it's not right. just setting up and watching some fancy animations. Uh it's you get at least some sort of interaction and I, I like that there it's it's not even just like hit it or not hit it, like that there are, you know, variations on how well uh, you did that, so uh yeah, I'm enjoying it, but I'm not gonna. Cool. I'm probably not gonna get to it till uh, hopefully this weekend. Uh, but the games are stacking up. They uh, are. They are stacking up. Uh, Fast and Furious. I thought I was gonna get time to play Shadow on Returns. They put out an expansion for that. That has not happened, and I probably won't get to that until April. But um, I was sent a code for uh, a certain Yoshi game oh. uh, that might come out uh, next week. Uh, somehow wrangled that from Jeff Gersman. I don't even know how I managed to pull that off. You know, yeah, you think it's he very, keep that all to himself? It's very protective of that IP. Um, can't talk about that at all until next Friday's show. Couldn't even tell you anyway because I haven't played it, even if I wanted to break embargo. Uh, but I'll be able to talk about that uh, next week. Um, and then I've been, you know, I've been, I've been getting through more of uh, Donk on uh, but because uh, I like to play one game at a time, or at least no more than two. So I started yeah, sure. South Park just because I wanted to see the intro, but I need to see that through. Unfortunately, last night had a breakthrough, and while these games tend to have like nine different twists and turns uh, towards the end, uh, I am at the point where they're like, "Yeah, we're on to the last class trial." So I'm in the home stretch, I think, on uh, on Dongan Ropa and. Uh, Really enjoying the story twist. They've had some, some pretty good ones, but uh, I'll save my thoughts on that till I've managed to finish the mystery uh, on that. Uh, but uh, I think I think that's all I've played.
1: Make sure you so, get through that before the end of the weekend because, you know, next week is Titanfall time. Yeah, I
0: know. Well, I recently had to go through, like, a harrowing Amazon experience to make sure my Dark Souls copy shows up because we don't... Yeah, I saw you talking about that. I don't, I don't know what's happening with, uh, like... Namco is going to send us multiple copies, but I, you know, I'm not sure what the situation is with how that's going to show up. Um, it's like, we have not gotten copies of Dark Souls Two yet, um, mm-hmm. uh, retail copies anyway, um, stuff to play on our normal consoles. And so, you know, I figured I was probably going to get a copy from Namco, but I don't. I was like, I'm not willing to gamble that whatsoever. So I ordered Never a copy you. on Amazon, and so did so did Vinny, uh, and both of us got notifications that our uh, Amazon normally guarantees day one uh, uh, release day delivery that you'll, you know, even if you have, I think you have to get it, order at least two day shipping or something like that. But anyway, I have Amazon Prime, so I thought I was going to get it March 11th, and I get an email. It's like, hey, March 13th. And I was like, hey, that's not, (laughs) that's not why I ordered from you, Amazon. Right. That's Uh, not what they're supposed to be doing. No. So I didn't order, like, the fancy collector's edition. I have, like, the black armor edition, which is just, like... DLC and some stuff that uh, comes packed in with, with that version. I think it's a, a fancier case, but it costs the same. Uh, right. So I, I just talked to his customer service rep. I was like, hey, that's weird. Why is it two days later? And they were like, sir, we don't know. But we're going to make sure it gets to you on March 11th. And then poof, March 11th. I had no idea. And so I had told Vinny to do the same thing. Uh, he talked to old Samantha at the on the customer service side, and same exact thing happened to him. It was just poof. Now your game's coming on March 11th. So,
1: did he press the uh, what was it? The panic button on the the Kindle, and the helpful little you know customer service lady came up on the things like how can I can I help you? And yeah, he talk to the lady.
0: I guess I don't know. I and I'm hearing from other folks that and some people are mentioning in the chat that uh, they they did not have success the way that I did. Uh, so I sort of feel like mine was really supposed to come on March 13th. Namco screwed up maybe pre-order a- allocations and that I just kind of got shuffled up because I complained. Uh, and you complained first. Yeah, I did it as soon as I got the email. Um, um, and it sounds like not everyone uh, uh, is having success like that. Uh, some people mentioned to me like, hey, just get it digital. Totally could. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, I'm, I'm not someone that likes collecting games but I do like having physical copies of uh, my favorite games, and I sure. expect that Dark Souls Two is probably going to be one of those. Like yeah. the, the the shelf that I do have, I have one primary shelf above my TV that holds maybe uh, 30, 30 things, and then I have one other shelf, secondary shelf, that holds you know probably hundred and fifty things, and all of that stuff is just immediately reflective of like like my tastes and my favorite things, as opposed to what do I want to watch tonight? Like, right. I have a huge library, so. I like to have that stuff because, I, you know, it's mostly when people come into my apartment, uh, you know, they look at that stuff and they're like, "Oh, you know, you can immediately glean exactly what I'm into based on the stuff that I've put on display," and you know, I want Dark Souls to be one of those. So.
1: Yeah, I had to give that up at a certain point, Uh, not so much with games, I mean, though I am buying much more, like, far more digital copies of games than I am physical than I used to, but, uh, like, with my DVD and Blu-ray collection, I eventually realized I just don't have the shelf space for that stuff anymore, Uh, so rather than getting rid of all my, you know, DVDs or whatever, I just got a bunch of, like, DVD books put everything into the books, got rid of all the cases and then like, like put everything into an app. So now if like people are over at my house and they want to look to see what movies I am, I just hand them my phones. Like here is a list of every movie I own. Just look through that. It is not as much fun. That is not as much fun.
0: That's, I mean that, that makes, that makes total sense. Like I, I have a very, very tiny collection. i I just keep, I mostly have like horror movies and then like a sprinkling of of other things. Like I bought, you know, Criterion just had a sale uh, they had 50% off uh, everything in their library so I picked up Godzilla like that's a movie that I want the criterion version and yep. I want that in the highest quality that's better than I'm gonna get uh, buying it off iTunes or watching it on Netflix or you know as as good as some of that stuff has gotten it's never gonna be as good as you know the the blu-ray um, so uh, but my, my collection is extremely extremely small like it's it's all very specific and deliberate. But, yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm 99% digital, and, and most of my games are that way as well. But uh, I have credit at Amazon, and uh, I, I ho- I'm i hoping, I'm betting that Dark Souls 2 is going to be one of my favorite games. I guess it could be terrible. I suppose it could be there terrible. There is a possibility. Uh, but uh, I'm hoping that's not the case. So we'll see. We'll see. But I'm getting, getting my copy on March 11th, so I'm excited.
1: People in the chat are calling me a monster for getting rid of all my DVD cases. Look, if it was, like, a nice collector's case or something, yes, I still have those. I didn't, like, throw away the nice stuff. But, like, I don't need a million fucking, you know, plastic DVD cases littering my apartment. And, you know,
0: know it's key to what you just said? What? Apartment. Yeah. You don't have a home. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't have,
1: like, a giant house to put stuff in. And, you know, I share a space with my girlfriend who has a lot of her own stuff. So I'm not just going to, like, say, hey, get rid of all those books you own because I want to put a bunch of cheap, shitty DVD cases up on this shelf. You know, like, that's that's not that's not a nice thing to do.
0: Yeah. I, I like the insinuation in the chat that people think maybe I bought a Criterion Collection of the 1999 Godzilla. I, I think it would be hilarious if they put together, like, a really nice package For the 1999 Godzilla. I would buy it. I
1: would 100% buy it. Well, I mean, they did all those Michael Bay movies. You know, like, there's this Criterion version. There's a Criterion version of Armageddon. I know. I own it. And Well, yeah. I
0: mean, for certain, you
1: know cheesy uh, action movies like I I love Armageddon. I think that's a great movie. No, they're serious about it. Like, there is a whole essay written in the, like, the insert of that thing about how it is like this, you know, great pain to the, you know, uh, the the American working class and just all this other shit about fucking Armageddon. It is, they are really serious about that stuff.
0: They could do one for Independence Day. They should do one for Independence Day. That's a, as you see the Oscars, they mentioned Independence Day. They put a little Bill Bill uh, Pullman in there. It was wonderful. yeah, and they're
1: a little tribute to movies people have actually seen. It's pretty. It was pretty <laughs> great. Uh, I thought that. Uh,
0: yeah, I thought that part was great.
1: I I, I realized I, I saw the same Criterion sale you did, and uh, I went looking through it, and I realized I I have gone through so many Criterion sales at this point that I now own all the Criterion movies I would want to mm. own. So that's now fair. those things mean nothing to me, and I am sad.
0: That's fair. Uh, so yeah, so that's those are the, the games I can really can't really say anything more about South Park. Probably *Walking Dead*. Not gonna yeah. talk about my class trials. Haven't played any more *Donkey Kong*. Ah, oh, *Donkey Kong*. I need ah. Uh, You'll get back to it. Too many games. Too many games. Many video games. We're all um, these games
1: in goddamn January.
0: Right? Well, I, at least I managed to get addicted to Splunky and Dark Souls, so I couldn't You're be excited for Dark Souls if uh, or Dark Souls Two if I hadn't played Dark Souls One. But uh, so yeah, well, I'll move on to the news because shit went down this week.
1: Yeah, Alex. a lot of shit went down this week. Holy shit.
0: Uh, right at the beginning of the week, Amy Henning, no longer at Naughty Dog.
1: Yeah, the uh, the writer of the Uncharted series is now out. Um, despite, I, I don't know, it, it's weird because, so the original story that came from IGN had uh, a source that, that claimed that she had been forced out by Neil Druckmann, and I forget who the other name was, but it was mm. someone that was involved with The, the Last of Us. Creative and, of The Last of Us. Yeah, and yesterday, Naughty Dog straight up commented and said, we don't we we normally don't comment on these sorts of things but because two members of our staff are kind of being drugged through the mud and all of this we want to straight up did not like say outright they had nothing to do with any of this uh that is a, a a false statement and you know that is all we will say about it uh i have no idea what you know personally like what the whether that is true or not i mean that seems like exactly the kind of thing you would say if that were true or not true uh but you know, regardless, it is sort of a surprise and crazy thing considering she had been working on Uncharted 4 and then all of a sudden she is now just gone.
0: Uh, someone's mentioning Bruce Straley is the, uh, yes. is the other person on The Last of Us. Uh, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's – the report was interesting that it uh, – that IGN's report put in that little spot about being pushed yeah. out. That's a very specific phrasing yeah. um, that – You know, I don't know their sourcing. I don't know who they were talking to. You know, the the report mentioned uh, multiple sources. um, Yeah. But uh, pushed out, uh, whether that's IGN's phrasing or the phrasing of their sources, paints a very specific narrative of what happened um, to Amy, or at least, you know, what happened to Amy surrounding her exit. Uh, It paints a certain narrative surrounding the atmosphere at naughty dog potentially why the last of us was made at all if she Mm -hmm. was working on uncharted while they were building the last of us um and you know whether she orchestrated that or not to get you know sympathy on her side on her way out hard to say i don't know Uh, but uh it certainly puts naughty dog on the defensive and i'm not surprised that they put out a statement that is ultimately sort of meaningless because it doesn't You know, it's as meaningless as the original report is meaningless on uh, saying pushed out because we don't actually know what's going on there. And the original report was anonymous and this one is on the record, but is just PR, you know, sort of, oh, everything's fine,
1: which, you know, it's always somewhere in the middle. So, yeah, and it's, it's regardless of what the circumstances were, that's unfortunate because, you know, Hennig has been the creative lead on that series pretty much from its inception. She's probably one of the, the, the more well-liked and well-revered writers in this industry. And, you know, when something that sudden happens, it's usually not because, you know, she just decided to move on to something else or, you know, she just, you know, or, or it, it's usually under circumstances that are less than great. Uh, I imagine she will start telling her story when she can, if she chooses to. Um, But I also imagine that she will find work very quickly, work pretty much wherever she wants it.
0: Yeah, uh, I think it is, you know, without getting into the politics of Naughty Dog, and I've done a little bit of digging into into what happened over there, but unfortunately everything I've heard is second and third hand, so I don't feel comfortable sharing it. And uh, once you have an exit that is potentially messy, Uh, you start hearing things that just are meant to reinforce that narrative one way or the other. So, uh, you know, I I don't have anything to add, unfortunately. But um, it there aren't many prominent women in charge of AAA franchises that are also the people that are out there interviewing uh, and being the figurehead for those franchises. So purely in terms of... uh, what was a really good thing for the industry i think just generally speaking um and she was damn good at her job uh too um you know it wasn't just like an optics thing like she was well regarded as being a perfectionist and a very talented writer you know i you know i like the uncharted series but you know what i liked a lot more soul reaver and she was instrumental in writing those games and i love the world of soul reaver um i love the world of uh you know Michael Jordan's basketball game for the SNES, you know. Yeah, totally. Chaos in the Windy City. A lot of great world building that happened uh, in there. Where's that man. sequel? <laughs> where's that? Where's that go, like Indie Go Go fund? Where's that? Co- give me that sequel. Come on, man. I know exactly. I wanted to know what happened at the end of of Chaos in the Windy City. Uh, where did the chaos go in that Windy City? And you know, I think that's that's a loss. You know, I, I you know if Microsoft's smart, they're getting on the phone with her. If Sony's smart, they're getting on the phone with her. Um... She seems someone that knows how to. Well, to be fair, technically she was just at Sony. Well, I know, but I'm saying like to give her <laughs> larger own studio Sony, and 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 you know keep her within the Sony family, sure, so sure. to speak. Um, you know, she she knows how to do AAA uh, in in a, in a way that's in that it's it's really interesting. She she does yeah. really great characters on a grand scale, and it would be tragic to lose her. You know, I hope she makes games regardless. You know, if she wants to go be independent and do tiny stuff, that's fine. But man, I I would hope that she stays uh, at the scale that she's at because she at least keeps. <laughs> she she I don't know what to expect from her when it comes to to AAA. Um, and yeah. I would like for her to stay there if that's possible. So, you know, Microsoft smart they would just be like, hey, what? How much you need? Here's a check. Come
1: work on the next Halo.
0: Oh, no, no, I know. I don't want,
1: I'm not saying I want that. I'm just saying that seems like the, the first thing they would bring up if they were going to do that. Uh, she's not the only one who's leaving. Uh, Jack Tretton is, uh, also exiting up out of Sony. He has been sort of the, uh, the SCEA president, uh, and sort of the, the number one dude at E3 press conferences over the last several years. And, uh, by all regards, an extremely well liked and uh, charming, you know, pretty good at his damn, pretty damn good at his job kind of dude. Uh, he, again, you know, kind of out of nowhere, sort of surprising that this would come up now. But uh, some people have suggested maybe this is just, you know, now that the PlayStation brand is sort of back on top, he's using that, uh, you know, that 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 cachet he's earned to, to try and find something, you know, a little bit more. I don't know, a little bit bigger or better, but you know, at the same time, that sucks because that was a very likable dude in an executive role, and there aren't very many of those.
0: Well, and you know, maybe he wants to go somewhere that's a little less volatile. Like, video that's also games possible. is a business where you're up and then you're down. Like it is, it happens every single time to every single company. Like you can only extend your dominance for as long uh, as you can avoid being at the yeah. bottom. It just it happens to everyone. And, you know, he's got Sony in a really good place. Um, You know, if suddenly the console (laughs) market takes a turn somehow in 2014, then he got out while the getting was good. And, uh, you know, yeah, it just says he chose not to renew the contract. Maybe it was a money thing. Maybe it was, you know, something uh, uh, more. But I he's been there a long time. Uh, He was there during the good times. He was there during the bad times and he brought them back to a good place. It seems like the right kind of time for someone like him uh, to move on. Uh, I don't know anything about the person who's replacing him, who seems like a permanent replacement and not uh, yeah. you know, sort of an uh, interim uh, president and CEO of SEA. But uh, we'll see if that's the guy. He's got a lot to live up to in terms of the press conference uh, prestige because uh, Jack got real good at doing those.
1: Yeah. I, you know, maybe he'll just throw Adam Boyce out there more and be like, look, you just do this. I don't I don't want to do this. You know, just you go be the voice of PlayStation. I mean, what? it's not like he couldn't do it. Jack,
0: Jack just got really good, you know, and this is all separate from, you know, how he handles himself internally uh, in terms of guiding uh, Sony and the PlayStation brand and their hardware. But, you know, he just he started off as just sort of that, that same old executive, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the one that you just sort of roll your eyes at where the only reason they're on stage is not because they're charismatic and interesting and the best choice they're there because, well, they're important enough. And that's, you know, they said they want to be on stage. So let them be on stage. You know, it's, it's why people kind of roll their eyes at like Don Matrick when he sort of whips his hair around and stuff like that. It's just, you're not good at this. Like I understand you want to be up there and you've worked real hard to get to this spot, but you're not good at this. So Mm -hmm. like, just stop, just stop. And, And Jack managed to find a weird spot in between where he had a blue-collar sort of endearing attitude despite the fact that he was a highly paid, probably millionaire executive. And he was real humble about the fact that he kind of sucked at it and i think yeah. that's what endeared people to him in a in well, a really jeff, fun jeff way well jeff described
1: him as like sort of like a hard scrabble pi type like he had that real kind of you know sort of gruff but friendly personality so you know hey maybe maybe true true detective season 2 jack tretton think about it yeah
0: and you know, people in the chat are joking about it but uh adam boys is probably a good choice if they wanted oh, yeah. to have someone uh kind of carry that he adam is a funny guy on good terms with developers he he would be a strong choice if not one that deeply weirded me out to see him on stage oh, yeah. for that long.
1: <laughs> you know, from, from fucking Age of Booty to the sta you know, leading the stage at, at Sony at E three, that would be a hell of a story. It already is a hell of a story, but that would that would that would add an extra little cherry on top.
0: Yeah, so you know, I think the Amy move is the more interesting... you know.
1: <laughs> strange it's one the bigger bummer in the grand scheme of things
0: yeah like executives shuffle out all the time totally uh, the fact that jack was there for as long as he he was uh is probably more shocking than the fact that he's moving on uh the amy one you know she was in mid-development on a new game yeah uh, that you know probably is on a in a pretty good position it's not like it just started development yesterday right um hard to know where it was at production wise but uh that one's a little more, I think, tragic for people who are fans of the studio, um, and it's gonna be, it's gonna be fun to watch where she ends up. I'm, I'm curious how fast she chooses to establish herself, uh, or if she takes a break um, from uh, the challenges and stress of, of making those, those large scale games. But I don't know. We'll see. I'm, yeah. I'm definitely curious to see where, where she
1: ends up. Same. Um, let's see. Did you see the uh, the follow-up stuff on, on Irrational that went up on Polygon yesterday?
0: Yeah, uh, I'm going <coughs> to feature that in uh, Worth Reading this week, but highly recommend folks check out Chris Plant's story uh, that uh, talks to, seems, about six different sources uh, that were there when Irrational uh, sort of closed down, but then also yeah. uh, sort of talked through Bioshock Infinite's development arc uh, over the last two to three years. And super fascinating piece, uh, extremely well done. Uh, by Chris, uh, and I, I would highly recommend folks uh, check it out. Definitely. Um, I, I mentioned this in worth reading, but probably the most interesting bit in the whole thing is mm-hmm. that Bioshock, being a surprise hit uh, more so than they expected, uh, gave Irrational a certain creative and financial leeway. Basically, they were told, go do whatever you need to do for the next couple of years, uh, yeah. which sounds amazing on paper but ended up being their curse. And yeah. the, the story makes it sound like the moment that people were brought in to, to focus the project, um, which is both Rod Ferguson and someone else's name who escapes me. But two different people were brought in, uh, both on the creative side and sort of on the production side, to focus that game. And the team alleges that Ken did his bed, best work, and the team did their best work when they had people setting deadlines and getting them on track. Yeah. Uh, it's it sounds kind of tragic that the thing they were rewarded with kind of sounded like the curse that uh, that really hurt them.
1: I mean, some people just you know don't thrive under no guidelines. You know, so you you give someone just total carte blanche to make whatever they want, and they spend an endless amount of time tinkering and futzing and just never quite getting on a track toward completing something i mean that's that's true of a lot of different creative types and it's why you know in most situations when you are given a project or given you know time and money you are also given deadlines and uh you know uh, different benchmarks and, and 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 goals to hit because you know it, it as great as the idea of just total creative freedom sounds not everyone thrives under that and i think it's you know, that, that that story definitely illustrated that, you know, Ken Levine, creative you know, guru that he is probably needs someone telling him this has to be done by this time for him to really kind of buckle down and just nail the things that need to get nailed down for those games to work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I recommend people check out the piece. It's, it, yeah. it elaborates a lot more on that stuff, gives uh, particularly great insight uh, into I think exactly what you say. I think these sort of uh, end of the piece, the employees sort of surmise that uh, Ken was a bad manager, uh, continues yeah. to be a, a bad manager, and that... A self-acknowledged when he, bad, bad manager. Right, and when, and when he's when he's paired with someone that can harness uh, what he's not great at with what he is great at, uh, you know, he has the potential for great things, and, uh, you know, hopefully they can maybe figure that out on a smaller scale, uh, but it's uh, it makes it seem pretty tragic uh, yep. that... There was a way for a rational to turn out differently. Um, it just it didn't happen. Uh, let's see. What was the one I was gonna pull? Watch Dogs has a release date. Yes, it does. May twenty seventh. Um, sounds like it's not coming out on Wii U. Uh, the the line that was given to folks was that it will come a few months later. Um, so I it's guess it could still come network. out. But that sounds like a great way to have no one buy Watch Dogs on Wii U. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, that game is coming out just before E3. Um, so that
1: gets to be the Last of Us of this year. Big game right before E3 that everyone is like scrambling to review before they all take off for the show. Well, Last of Us
0: actually came out the week of E3.
1: That's right. Um, and reviews I play, ran like, I, the week before. Yeah,
0: I, I played it ahead of that, but uh, that game actually came out the week of E3, uh, which I thought was actually kind of interesting and smart. Um, yeah. I thought that was a not a bad time to release a game like that, but... I, so alongside the release date, they put out a big story trailer um, that I think for the first time really gives us a sense of the plot of Watch Dogs. Yeah. And I don't know about you. I kind of wish I didn't watch that trailer. It The story is way less interesting than I was hoping for, I guess.
1: It's what I've been worried about all along with that damn game was that it was like this cool mechanical concept of, you know, cell phone Batman running around, you know, to, using the city to his own nefarious means and that the story would be hot garbage. I mean, it's it could be fine, it could be okay, but like the plot line they have over like, you know, showed in that trailer and the dialogue they chose to highlight in that trailer did not give me any great hope for caring about what is actually going on in that game. It's like,
0: Oh, his wife was killed. And now here's a magic cell phone. Yeah. uh, And like this voice, Oh, the voice acting like the gravelly Batman. Like, am I really going to listen to that for like 40 hours? Like, Oh, I I mostly like, um, I turned off the trailer halfway through. It was just like, Oh no, this is deflating my interest in watch dogs. Yeah. You know, lead, Lead Haxor in the chat says, "What were people expecting Shakespeare?" It's like, no, no, but I was expecting something a little bit better than this. And maybe it's just the trailer, you know. Maybe it plays out a little bit better in the game. I don't, I don't have a whole lot of you know expectations Mm -hmm. that's going to be the case. But uh, you know, it could still be a lot of fun, you know. Having a magic cell phone that lets you do uh, all this stuff is. Uh, it could be really interesting, you know, gameplay-wise. But, ah, maybe I do wish it was just an Assassin's Creed game.
1: <laughs> it didn't, I, yeah, I, if nothing else, it now explains to me why they spent so long not talking about any of the actual things that were happening in the game and just talking about mechanics, because I'm guessing they probably know it's not that good.
0: Yeah, so we'll see. I Yeah, I'm definitely yeah. going to play that game. Uh, I, the, You know, it's not like I was expecting a, a nuanced critique of the security state uh, no. From watchdogs, like I think no. that was putting a little too much on uh, a game like that, even if it's marketing likes to pretend that haha, like
1: Snowden, like
0: with witty, witty, witty commentary. But you know, I knew it was never going to be something like that. I mean, they do allude to having some pretty heavy subjects in there. you know, there's a, a shot of what looks like human trafficking. Um, and, and things of that nature, and you know the way that the story is sort of heavy-handed and B movie-ish, it doesn't give me a whole lot of sense that they're going to treat that stuff with a whole lot of gravity, and that it's it would be very easy to imagine they're just going to invoke a lot of heavy and dark imagery just to say that they're invoking heavy and dark imagery. But yeah. I just hope the game's fun at this point. I'm sort of writing off the story um, and hoping that. The manipulating the world is going to be an enjoyable experience, which yeah. it very much could be. Uh, so,
1: you know, in a, in a worst case scenario, I'm hoping it's just, you know, like one of the less interesting Assassin's Creed games where like the mechanics and the, the combat and the things that you do in it are fun enough to sort of make up for the fact that you don't really care about what's going on. Uh, maybe not Assassin's Creed three, but like, you know, let's say like, you know, one of the, one of the, the lesser uh, two spinoffs. offs.
0: Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, at least that game's got a release date. So, Alex, you and I can look forward to posting all sorts of trailers. Yeah. no, I mean, gonna, how, how
1: many do you think we're going to get between now and May 27th?
0: I think every time we get one that we should post, we should just change the published date on an old trailer. Because I don't think people will know the difference. Okay. I, would, I wouldn't know the difference.
1: Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say one a week from now until then. So oh,
0: it's so many. We can't post I know. all those. So we can't do that. I refuse. Oh, but what if we did? I refuse. I refuse. All right, fair enough. Um, let's see. Dark Souls 2 PC has a release date, April 25th, which is too long for me to wait. Yep. I don't want to wait until April 25th. But I will say for folks that uh, are going to wait or only play on the PC, uh, that is a much better date than Namco had been uh, hinting at. It had sounded more like it was going to come end of May, if not later than that. So April 25th is, uh, according to this story, six weeks after uh, Dark Souls 2 comes out on PS3 and 360. So that's a pretty reasonable, uh, uh, you know, it's not day and date, but, uh, you know, they're promising 60 frames a second. Uh, They're promising a much better port. So if there is DLC for Dark Souls 2, which they haven't said for sure, but they've gotten closer and closer to saying yes to uh, my guess is uh, I'll do my second playthrough of that game for the DLC on the PC, but I can't wait. I'm gonna play that yeah. on PS3. Uh, I want to play that game with the community when it comes out. But t- April 25th, Sol- not too bad.
1: Have the previous Souls games also not been as good on PC? Like have the, haven't there been like history of like kind of bad ports for those?
0: Uh, yeah, there was no PC version of uh, Demon Souls, but there was okay. a uh, much later uh, port of Dark Souls to the PC that was terrible. Uh, I played it. Uh, There is a community fix that allows you to run it at a proper resolution and change the frame rate, but because of the game's code, if you alter the frame rate to 60 frames a second, it actually changes some of the geometry and physics of the game, and you can fall through parts of the world because the game is not designed to literally be in 60 frames uh, a second. Uh, You can kind of get around that, and you can still play the game like that, but it's a garbage port that is salvaged only by uh elements of the community that have done from from software didn't do but by all accounts uh it sounds like this pc version should be a lot better um and it's too bad it's not day and date because i would sure as hell like to play it in 1080p at 60 frames a second but sure uh i'm not gonna wait that six weeks i'm not gonna do it i won't do it alex I won't That's the That's it. the
1: problem with internet culture. You can't wait for anything anymore. It just has to be right now. you got to be a part of the conversation right immediately.
0: I want to hashtag join the conversation. Alex. I bet you do. I want to do it.
1: I bet you fucking do.
0: Um, I'm just going to... Shackfu. Alex. Yeah.
1: So let's talk about this for a second. Uh-huh, uh, go ahead. So Shackfu is a horrible game from the 90s. God awful yep. in just about every way. There are some people who might ironically claim to have some kind of weird nostalgia for that game, and that's fine. You can do that if that is your choice, but you still have to acknowledge that it is a busted-ass, terrible fighting game that no one should have ever cared about. Mm -hmm. Now, there is an Indiegogo campaign, uh, at least partially supported by Shaquille O'Neal himself, because fuck, what else is he doing, to make Shaq Fu 2. Uh, this is, a, I guess, a newish studio that wants to make this. Uh, the campaign is very much about talking about how, you know, the previous game, you know, was ruined by corporate suits who didn't understand what real gamers want, and obviously they they know how to make the Shaq Fu game that everyone has been clamoring for. low these many years since. Uh, this is horrible for a variety of reasons. Uh, one, a number of the, uh, campaign goals are kind of gross. Uh, including ones that let you pay to make concept art for the game. Which is maybe one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Uh, and two... Shaquille O'Neal doesn't even want to fund a Shaq-Fu sequel by himself. That man has hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank and even he doesn't think it's worth throwing in 400 grand to make sure this game happens. And you w- and there are people that are willing to throw their own money into this? What the fuck?
0: Let's see what it's at right
1: now. Probably not uh, very much. Uh,
0: I don't think it's going to make it.
1: Well, no, that's the problem with IndieGogo is that it doesn't matter. Oh. You still with IndieGogo, you still get the money that yeah. you 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 earn you just don't get you know the full amount necessarily. It's at
0: fifty of four hundred and fifty thousand. I wish it was. It's just at fifty thousand dollars w- already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see with some of the more egregious uh, perks. Let's see if any of those have been claimed. So the most you can pay thirty five thousand dollars for an evening at the TNT studio uh-huh. for a meet and greet with Shaq. Yeah. But don't worry, travel not included.
1: <laughs> yeah, throw some money in on this. This sounds great. This sounds like a great use of of your 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 time, your hard earned cash. Totally. I hope Tw- someone buys that, and I hope they're fucking miserable. Twenty five
0: thousand. Dinner with Shaq. If you have six friends with thirty six hundred dollars each, then you can group together to get this awesome perk.
1: Yeah. $15,000 so
0: ballin' uh, at Shaq's Shack. Uh-huh. Five fans get to bring a guest to Shaq's house for lunch and a game of pickup basketball in Shaq's gym to be broadcast online. Travel not included. Yeah, the one you're talking about is the $6,500 uh, work as a concept artist, which is insulting and disgusting.
1: It's so uh, stupid. It's so uh, stupid. This whole thing very, is It's so very stupid. misguided. This is... Um, this is- Playing on the same dumbass nostalgia people have for things like Space Jam and whatever else. You know, this is people just. Hey, hey,
0: hey, 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 hey. I legitimately like Space Jam. Back off.
1: What is wrong with you? It's a terrible movie. Space no, Jam is a terrible movie.
0: It is hilarious. There is a commentary with Bugs and Daffy and the director. Bill Murray is in it. What, what do you got against Bill Murray?
1: Yeah, Bill Murray. Yeah, he's talked a lot of really good things about that movie in the years since. He's that's, He clearly holds that up as one of his fucking masterpieces. You're an asshole. I'm right.
0: Shaq- I almost said Shaq-Fu is a great movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would rather watch a Shaq-Fu movie than I would play another Shaq-Fu game at this point.
0: I own Space Jam on Blu-ray, and I don't feel any regret over that. None. Whatsoever. None. Yeah but like you are so
1: but as for shaq Fu 2 jesus christ not a good idea
0: uh yeah i i if, if he wants to make shaq Fu 2 then make shaq Fu 2 like crowdfunding it is, multimillionaires crowdfunding stuff uh is i it, it's hard it's hard to stomach uh there is yeah. a reason that you know someone like spike lee got shit over him going to kickstarter um there are scenarios obviously that make sense i think you know Veronica Mars and other ones like there are times where I understand why folks in privileged positions use crowdfunding and you know the one silver lining like away from all of Shaq fu and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff I'll say is that Kickstarter has shown statistically uh that there's studies where you get when you get these multimillionaires that come in and shack is well beyond a multimillionaire uh that come in and and do crowdfunding you know the Yes, the gut reaction, and I think it's the right one, is like, it's gross that they're coming in and asking for money that they could spend themselves. They're so confident about this project, go get it made by yourself. Yeah. Um, the attention that celebrities of that stature bring to these services mm-hmm. filters out to other projects in really meaningful ways. Um, they they found that like when Zach Braff, um, Spike Lee, um, and you know Indiegogo will probably find this with Shaq, um, these get stories written in places that don't write about these services normally because right. these celebrities bring a certain stature and this story is sort of funny enough that uh, it'll get written up in a lot of different places. And then people get to un- find out what crowdfunding is, they find other projects, and they put their money in. And like that's been proven by Kickstarter that that happens. So while maybe ethically and morally it seems a little bankrupt that someone like Shaq is coming to a service like this, it ultimately does usually help out projects that do need help. Um, yeah. So I guess that's that's the only thing, the only positive I think I can spin out of this is that hopefully it means people that don't know what crowdfunding is do and then put their money towards, you know, something that's actually worthwhile.
1: Yes, hopefully they put their money toward literally anything but a Shaq Fu sequel. That would be good. That would be beneficial.
0: Yep. Yep, 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 yep. God damn it. God damn it. So stupid. jack returns, and this time we won't foo it up. Oh, just, where's my God? It was everything I
1: could do not to throw my mouse at my wall as soon as I saw that line. Like, just, oh, goddamn you people.
0: Yeah. Uh, people want to drop questions in the chat. Let me start winding this down. Yeah.
1: Uh oh,
0: it's just, I just want to turn this off. jack is just making me feel gross.
1: Mm-hmm. Go take a second shower after this.
0: You should do an encyclopedia of Mombasca Shaq Fu.
1: No, because I haven't played Shaq Fu since like 1995, and I really, really don't want to have to relearn anything about Shaq Fu ever.
0: What if I went on eBay right now and saw how much Shaq Fu was and thought about sending it to you?
1: I I would film myself burning the cartridge what if and put I put that on the website.
0: <clears throat> what if I made you do Shaq Fu for Game Boy Advance? No, okay, Game Boy regular game boy
1: i would take a hammer to it i would film myself taking a hammer to it
0: how do you think cbs would feel if i just clicked buy it now on uh shack for game boy advance which is i keep saying that regular game boy that goes for right now 189 dollars
1: are you gonna use your corporate card for it yeah i don't think they'd like that very much
0: (laughs) how much why is the game boy version going for so much money what the hell $189. it's rare
1: it's rare. It's a rare game. It's hard to find.
0: I wish it was made by Rare. Ugh. One player mode was super. There's a two player mode with a Super Game Boy.
1: So someone else can suffer. Great. That's awesome.
0: You should really play that game. That sounds like a. When's your birthday?
1: I'm not telling you now. <laughs>
0: I'm gonna go. we go on Facebook and find out when your birthday is. <laughs> I'm sure you put it there. Alex Navarro's birthday. About, 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 about. November 18th. Well, you know, I'm getting ready early. I'm getting ready early.
1: I'm going to burn everything. Burn everything.
0: Uh, there's not much else news. New Pixel Junk Shooter. an uh, Updated version with new graphics and some other tweaks coming to PS4. I liked Pixel mm-hmm. Junk Shooter 2. That was a good game. Yeah. Xenoclash developers have a new game called Abyss Odyssey. It looks weird. It's a 2D brawler that has the deep fighting mechanics. Sure. You just had to tell me it was from the Xenoclash guys. I'm in.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with anything dumb thing those guys want to do. I will at least give it a shot.
0: Um, Dracula Backwards is returning to Castlevania Lords of Shadow 2 in DLC this month. Alucard.
1: Yeah, Alucard, my favorite character in all of the Castlevania lore, totally.
0: I wonder if they're putting out that DLC real quick because people don't seem to like that game very much, so they're kind of grasping at straws to get Did people Did you see the interested.
1: thing that the guy who, I guess, was the producer on that game wrote about the reviews? Uh, there was originally a sort of, I guess, badly mangled translated version of it, and then there was a slightly better translated version that sounded a little more reasonable that came out, but he was pretty. he seemed pretty unhappy with the reviews that were coming out for that game.
0: Yeah, he sort of made an allegation that there was uh, one outlet made a bad review, and so all the outlets said, <laughs> "Let's
1: all give it bad reviews," because that's what we do in our sacred game journalism cabal. Is we find the one game mm-hmm. that we can all just sort of pick on for no reason. That's 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 how that works.
0: It can't be that Lords of Shadow Two is a bad game. That can't possibly. That can't possibly be the reason.
1: That's impossible.
0: Um, the last thing I would mention, I guess, news-wise, is that um, I would point people towards a crowdfunding effort that does deserve your money. Brandon Boyer, who is the chairman mm-hmm. of the IGF, uh, has done a lot behind the scenes in the independent scene that you couldn't necessarily point to, um, but uh, he has done a lot of work uh, for for games that you really enjoy and creators that uh, you really enjoy that make games you enjoy. and. Uh, he got screwed by his insurance company. He got cancer in 2013 before the Affordable Care Act kicked in the pre-existing conditions clause. Um, and because at some point in his five years like of going to a doctor, he didn't mention that he maybe had a stomach ache, uh, which is related to where he— No, he, he did uh,
1: mention. He did mention it to a doctor that he might have had some symptoms that, it? that could have possibly pertained to having a diagnosis of cancer. Okay. Either so way— he was, Because he was honest— That's why this is happening.
0: Uh, They found a loophole to screw him out of $100,000, $110,000, I believe, of uh, medical insurance. And so there is a a GoFundMe uh, happening right now to uh, rally behind him and uh, get him that money. Um, If uh, that interests you, that's great. If not, I understand. I understand money is tight. But uh, if you're looking to throw a couple dollars towards a really good cause instead of, say, Shaq Fu 2, uh, Brandon Boyer could certainly use your help. Uh, so yeah. you can go find that over on GoFundMe, I think, slash Brandon. But if you just search mm-hmm. for Brandon Boyer, GoFundMe, you'll find it. The great um, news is
1: that he's already, like, a lot of that money that he needs has already been been gathered, which is yeah. great that that happened yeah. so
0: quickly. He's at $87,000. It's a really, really heartwarming story. Um makes you feel good uh, that people can come together and help out someone that, that really needs it. So uh, let's see if we got any questions. ocelot fox says hey if shack food 2 comes out can we make alex do a quick look of it yep sure can definitely yeah that's fine you know what if they they actually
1: get that game out the goddamn door fine i will sit there and i will look at it and i will give it whatever chance i can give it but i am i am against that thing in very in, in pure concept so don't expect me to be super happy about it
0: I have to mention this just because I, I I don't know how it uh, got stuck out of my mind but when uh, Humana the insurance company that sent uh, that that Brandon Boyer was paying for uh, mm-hmm. didn't decided to send a letter to him you know informing them that they were denying to to cover these costs this hundred and ten thousand uh, dollars you know and they got like a nice form letter that like tries to say in like the nicest most condescending language that they have found a loophole to not pay the thing that they explicitly are a company meant to do. They sent him a chocolate bar. They said, here's a chocolate bar at the end of this letter, informing you that we are not going to cover $110,000.
1: That's right up there with the, uh, the, the whatever company it was that sent the uh the domino's coupon to the family. like some there was some sort of like horrible tragedy where like a bunch of people were killed and the company involved sent like pizza coupons to the family God. along with their letter of of Damn. condolences
0: yeah oh yeah and if uh if if you want some games out of it if you go to slash uh, devolver uh, Devolver Digital uh, is doing a humble bundle where you can, the charity associated with it, uh, will uh, send the money to Brandon's uh, GoFundMe. Uh, you can get uh, Duke Nukem 3D and Shadow Warrior and a bunch of other like weird movies and stuff that Devolver is associated with, mm-hmm. um, in a humble bundle. So, humblebundle.com slash Devolver, uh, if you're interested in that. Um, let's see if we can pull up one last question. Ba-ba-ba. Oh, man, Jimin724 says someone actually got the 15K tier in shaq Fu. Fuck.
1: <laughs> you should not be allowed to have money at all.
0: Oh, man, that just makes me feel bad. Makes me feel bad. Uh, it doesn't seem like we have a lot of questions, but um, so that'll do it for a show. What are think you tomorrow. thinking about playing this weekend, Alex Navarro?
1: Oh, God, what am I thinking about playing this weekend? Uh, I have at least a couple of things I need to catch up on. I keep meaning to pop in Earth Defense Force just because I, you know, I like to play those games for at least a few hours before never touching them again. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to do that at some point. Um, I think this weekend is going to be a mixture of watching my girlfriend play South Park and finally plumbing the depths of uh, the WWE Network. I've sort of been dabbling in that here and there, but I want to get real deep Deep down into like early '80s WCW like pay-per-views, uh, of just like the really ancient stuff that I can find. Uh, so that's 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 something I'm probably gonna spend some time watching this weekend. What about you? What do you got coming up?
0: Well, I'm hoping to finish the class trial, find find the heart of the the matter amongst these ultimate students, um, put that to a close. I'm like I said, I think I'm at the final class trial, so I've probably got like two three hours max. I'm hoping left in that game. Uh, so I'm hoping to put that down and then I'm going to start on, uh, Yoshi's new Island. Um, and probably, uh, South Park, South Park is probably my Sunday. I'm hoping uh, to spend as much time as I can, uh, with that. Probably not too much. I don't want to burn out on it. I kind of like how you mentioned, but yeah, the games are coming fast and furious. Dark Souls two comes out on Tuesday. Titanfall comes out on Tuesday. So I gotta, I gotta keep, I gotta keep clicking along. Um, so I'll probably South Park and, uh, uh, and Ropa are probably my my two that I'm playing uh, this weekend. Uh, I'm glad I got Walking Dead out of the way. I always play those in one sitting. I <clears throat> can't find that there was ever a spot that I'm like, yeah, I should probably stop playing this. I, I should probably take a break. I always do those uh, at once. But uh, yeah, I guess yeah. that does it for a show. I think that's a show. We'll be back on Monday. Uh, Alex, I will talk to you then.
1: All right. Oh.